Welcome to the Kingdom Life Podcast, where we talk about life with God in His Kingdom. I'm Connie Willems, and today we'll be talking with Kathleen Blue about prayer and spiritual warfare. Welcome, Kathleen. Hi. It's Glad to be here. To, good to have you here. Um, I think of you as a woman of prayer, but I'm guessing that hasn't always been the case for you. So, I don't, can I disclose that you're in your 70s? Is that yes, okay? that's okay. <laughs> so you're in your 70s now, but if we went back and I knew you in your 20s and said, you're a woman of prayer, what would your reaction have been? Uh, I'm, I'm what, is what I would say. <laughs> yeah, not, what, not then. What was going on in your 20s? In my 20s, I married at 21 and had my oldest child when I was barely 23 and had two more. And that's what was going on in my 20s is motherhood and marriage and children. And where were you with God at the time? I was nowhere. Mm. I was raised in a, a very religious household, a lot of rules and things. And I had an experience when I was 14 that caused me a lot of pain and for some reason, as a 14-year-old little girl, I blamed God for this tragedy that happened mm. in our family. And so I turned away from God and uh, was pretty far away from him for about 16 years till I was 30. Do you think during that time that you had any God experiences? Uh, I had one that I can, I can see it like it was yesterday. My husband was struggling with depression. And I literally had a word of knowledge about what was going on with him. He didn't say anything. I just went to him and said, is this what's going on? And he looked at me and he said, yes, how did you know? And I said, I don't know. But I know now that that was God telling me. Yeah. And at the time, it was just one of those knowing in your knowers kind of thing? Yeah. Huh, interesting. Go God. (laughs) So what happened when you were 30 that... That changed. Well, our family uh, moved from Albuquerque, New Mexico to Norman, and uh, a little boy came up (laughs) to our house and wanted to uh, meet my little boy. They were both six, and that little boy was Brock Bingaman (laughs) with my oldest son, Todd. And so they met on their bicycles. And then pretty soon, Brock's mom came over and introduced herself and We got to know each other, and she did that a couple of times. And one day when she had come to my house, I think I had laundry all over my couch, and it was just one of those harassing days, mother of three. And uh, she sat down, and uh, we had been to dinner at their house, and they had prayed beforehand. And I remember my husband and I kind of poking each other under the table going, oh, no. And <laughs> they're Christians. Mm-hmm. Mm. And so she was sitting in my living room and I was folding laundry. And I said, have you always been this religious? Mm. Well, it was a set up question because her answer was, oh, no. But I've, I've come to know Jesus. Huh. And I told her I didn't want any part of Jesus, that I felt like I'd gone too far without him. And later that day, she sent me two books <laughs> via Brock on his bicycle. <laughs> and when I was up, I think I was up nursing in the middle of the night, 
about two months later, I started reading the books, and that changed my life. Do you remember what they were? Yeah. One was C.S. Lewis, uh, Mere Christianity. I got about halfway through it, interested, and then totally lost in the second part, the, Hmm. the Christian part. So I picked up the other book, and it was called What is God Like by Joyce Huggins. And she was writing the story of my life, that you can't put God in a box, that he's far bigger than you ever dreamed or imagined and wants to be closer than you ever thought, and just painted a beautiful picture of the truth about who God was that was all new to me. What was the switch like for you from going from I'm angry at God and don't want anything to do with him to I think I'm going to bend my life toward this? Well, because I was still in relationship with Brock's mom, um, I think she had started a Bible study, some of her friends, and she invited me to come. And I thought, okay, I'll go. And I wasn't hostile so that was a switch. I was asking. Hmm. And so over a period, it, it took months for me to, to really know not only did I believe in Jesus, but that this was really him. And I'll tell you one funny experience. I, I felt like I was being kind of tormented by God. I know that's a hmm. funny word to use, but it's like I couldn't get him out of my brain. Huh. And I was in the shower and I said, God, what do you want? And he said, I want your life. I heard him. And my misperception of who God was was so off that I thought he was going to take my life in the shower. And I was just going to go be with him, that he was going to kill me. Wow. And he didn't. But I learned later, oh, you really did want my life. <laughs> you wanted me to come to Jesus, and you wanted my life rather than me having my own life. So after you got to that point of coming mm-hmm. to Jesus and turning there, were you surrounded by other Christians? You had... Just in this small Bible study. Okay. Uh, yes, and I remember one of the books that she did. I'll never forget it. It had an orange cover. It was kind of a workbook. It was all about Jesus. And I just devoured that thing. Hmm. I didn't know anything about him. I mean, I was raised in a Christian home and knew nothing about Jesus. So it was all new to me. So what did prayer look like for you then? Do you actually, remember? Yes, actually, same woman, huh. <laughs> Brock's mama. Um, we would sit in her kitchen and she taught me how to pray. What did she teach you? Well... We would start out and just say, Lord, what do you want us to pray? Hmm. She taught me to ask God what to pray. And uh, soon after that, I started seeing things in my mind and had no clue that it was the Holy Spirit showing me things. But she was very kind to me and, and would ask me questions. Now, what are you seeing? Well, I'm seeing a room with a white table. Well, what do you think that means? I don't know. Let's ask God. And so she step-by-step worked with me, and we started praying together. And then after that, she invited a whole bunch of young moms our own age with young children, and we prayed for our kids. Mm. All of our kids came to Jesus. So it was an amazing beginning. 
were you, did, was your family believers, or you said you grew up in a Christian home? But uh-huh. aside from mom that and dad, group, okay. mom and dad, uh, my brother had turned away from God, um, and my husband's family didn't. Well, they were not like practicing believers, maybe from a distance, but. Uh, so, no, it was pretty much just me. So where did you get introduced then to spiritual warfare in the middle of that? <laughs> well, it was in the middle of that, you know, families have issues, and there were issues in my yeah. immediate family. And I had one family member that was really struggling, and the only thing I could explain to you was that uh, kind of an agitation would come on this person, and I didn't know what it was. And one night... I, uh, this person went to bed and I went in and I put my hand on, on this person and just said, I plead the blood of Jesus over this. I plead Mm. the blood of Jesus over you. I had never even heard the words. I plead the blood of Jesus. I don't know where it came from, but the next morning, all the agitation was gone. And I went, whoa, yeah, what just happened? What was your answer for you? (laughs) Well, I started doing some reading, hmm. and I, I think it was about the time that I went to a K. Arthur retreat in Chattanooga, the lady that wrote uh, Precept, and uh, she had a book there and some tapes called Lord, Is It Warfare? And so I just devoured it, and I thought, yep, 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 this is warfare, yep. You landed in the middle of it. So how would you... I should have given you some warning on this one. How would you define spiritual warfare if you had to describe it to someone? Well, it's realizing that (laughs) there are forces that are from the evil one that want to come and cause problems, even for believers. And if we don't take our God-given authority to say, stop it, you can't do this, they just come and make people miserable. That's Mm. how I would describe it. Talk more about that God-given authority part. Well, as I got into the Bible, you know, one of the verses that I found was, Behold, I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing will harm you. And to realize that as just as a believer, that the demonic has to go. In James, it says, resist resist the devil, and he must flee. So just getting into the word and and realizing, wait a minute, I've got authority over this stuff. Mm. We don't have to live in this miserable place. Have there been times when you've wondered, do I really have authority here? Uh, Probably at first. I think it was something I had to grow into and get really miserable. And then realize, wait a minute. And along with the authority, and this is just something I learned. I mean, I learned to anoint my house with oil. I learned to pray over the rooms. I learned that if someone was having a problem, I would put praise music on. Um, low. Just never, never take it off because the enemy hates praise. So just things like that. So you were exercising that authority In your home. In my home. In the rooms, in the family. Yes. Is there a difference for me, say, if I were doing this, me exercising authority in my home versus going somewhere else into a different family? 
and doing it. Does the authority carry with yes. me, or do I run into areas where I'm just like, oh, you shouldn't be doing that? I think the Holy Spirit would tell you, because I've been invited to come and pray over people's homes, and I've done it, and usually take my oil. I mean, you can laugh, but I take my oil sometimes in a spray spray bottle <laughs> and go spray around the property, especially if there's if there's something going on in the home that's really weird. And who knows what's been done in especially rent homes or apartments or things like that. <laughs> Is that something that you would have ever thought that you'd end up doing? Oh, heavens no. <laughs> it's like, oh, this is just a true story. When my kids uh, moved into their new house, I showed up with my oil and a spray thing. The first thing I did was walk all the way around their property praying and commanding anything demonic to leave and claiming the property for Jesus. So, no, never never in my wildest dreams. And as you do that, as you're in those places, where do you encounter God? I just I just know he's there. And I mm. always pray before I go. Like, for instance, in this one situation, well, in two, two different homes I'd lived in, uh, the home was sold because of divorce. Well, I knew that there were going to be some issues with maybe contention or um, enemies causing divorce. And so I would definitely go after those things that God would show me. Okay, this is taking place in this place on this property. So you can bind that and tell it to go and can't ever come back and, you know. So that very first question of God, how do you want us to pray? Yes. Continues. Always. Have you... Encounter times when you know, oh, there's here's the results of doing that, or are you doing it in faith and saying, I know this is, I know God is at work, even if I'm not seeing tangible results. Both probably. Mm. Um, I I do it by faith a lot, but a lot of times, and this has happened recently, the in the past, I'd say year and a half, my daughter and I have been fasting and praying. And we, when we do it, we just we do the Daniel plan. I don't know if you know what that is, but it's uh, no meat during the day, and then at night we'll have a normal meal. But every day we would pray together and uh, and pray warfare over whatever was going on, mostly in in her life. And she would call and say, "Mom, things are different. There's been a shift." So yes, we do get results. It's yeah, like we know. That there's power, not only in praying warfare, but in fasting and praying warfare. What is the fasting piece? Why is that an important part of it? You know, I I had had done some fasting years ago and and then just hadn't done it in a long time. And this was my daughter's idea. And I said, okay, I'm in. Hmm. I don't know where she got it, but she said, Mom, I think there's more power if we pray and fast together. And I said, okay, I'm in. Obviously, there's the passage where Jesus is talking to the disciples, mm-hmm. um, and they've tried to cast out a demon. Right. And he said, this one doesn't go out but by prayer and fasting. So there's some connection that mm-hmm. he was pointing to. And there's something about the fasting. You, you think, that, oh, I could, I could fast from meat. Well, by about the second or third day, you're really having to ask God for grace to fast and pray because... 
for some reason you're trying to focus on the Lord and you feel distracted and all of that. But we have persevered through a whole five-day period when we've done that together. And and uh, anyway. I think it's intriguing with the idea of the two of you doing it together. Mm-hmm. How have you experienced what's different when you're doing this with other people versus doing it on your own? Well, I just think it just adds to the power. It's mm. all I can all I can say because I've I've been in churches where they've called fasting and prayer. In fact, about twenty five years ago, I had never even heard of this in a church. And the pastor gets up and says, "Okay, we're going to fast and pray as a as a body uh, this week, and we'll get together." Well, about five or six days in, I was with a group of women, and I witnessed my first deliverance. Hmm. And I know it's because we've been fasting and praying. And what do you mean by deliverance? I mean, a spirit of rejection left her body. Hmm. And she was completely healed, completely well, and to my knowledge, is still completely free. So you saw it in front of you. I saw it in front of me. That aspect of deliverance as as part of spiritual warfare, mm-hmm. as part of the authority, mm-hmm. is that something that you also see? All the time. Hmm. Mm-hmm. In what kind of settings are you usually? Usually in that? inner healing situations. Okay. I I prefer what we do here and that is take care of um leading the person to forgive anybody they need to uh, a lot of times when you're talking about about these things, we ask them, well, is there a lie I'm believing? And if God says yes, then you renounce the lie, replace it with truth. Then that stuff's taken care of. And so the deliverance is relatively easy. Mm, yeah. I'm going to ask you about a couple things that people tend to ask about, okay. and we're going to tap into some of that experience that God's been building in you over the years. And one of them is, it's not uncommon for me to be sitting and talking with someone, and eventually they say, you know, I never really talk about this, but I often have these things happen to me, and I don't know what to do with them, and I just don't talk about it. And usually they mean terrifying dreams, mm-hmm some kind of spiritual encounter, Mm -hmm. some kind of unusual spirit thing Mm -hmm. that is so different from what nobody else around them is talking about that they just keep it quiet. And they might even say, yeah, that started happening when I was a kid. And I, I just, I don't, I don't know what to do with it. What would you tell someone who's been experiencing that? Well, (laughs) Come see me. <laughs> um, I don't think that's unusual at all. Mm. I, I started dreaming when I was little, and I remember having terrifying dreams, and my my parents didn't know what to do with it. And so uh, it's almost as if if a person is having encounters that are terrifying at night, they have to learn that they can, as soon as they can wake themselves up, they can take authority over what it is, and eventually that will stop. That did happen to me. So I, I, that's a firsthand thing. What was, what was happening? I was dreaming that someone was going to come kill me. I mean, hmm. it was like, okay, 
running for my life, and I'd wake up in a cold sweat, and I was terrified, and and uh, uh, but then I realized, now wait a minute. For some reason, the enemy wants my dream life, mm-hmm. and I am saying, absolutely not. You cannot have my dream life. So I did what I've told you. I began to pray. I began to uh, listen to praise music in my bedroom and um, would tell spirits of fear, spirits of murder, to leave me alone and go in Jesus' name. And it had to. About how long was that process? Do you remember? It went on for maybe a month. Mm. It took me a while. To I'd never experienced that kind of terror at night, and uh, it was also when I be- and this is just looking back on this. This was about twenty five years ago. It was when I was starting to come into the things of the Holy Spirit, and I I knew that God wanted the Holy Spirit's presence in my life, but I didn't understand any of it because. I started out my Christian walk in a cessationist church that believed that half the gifts had ceased. And then all of a sudden, these gifts started showing up in me. (laughs) And I had to go, okay, God, I need to rethink this. And it was about that time that these weird dreams started happening. And I I realize now it's because I'm a dreamer. I've Mm. been dreaming since I was a little girl. And the enemy just wanted that part of me. And I just had to say no. What is God now doing with that part of you? Oh, I dream a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. And these are dreams that God is using mm-hmm. to communicate. Yeah, and as I always kind of, uh, if, it, if there's something puzzling, I go back to the Lord and I say, God, is this you or is this something that I need to reject? I'm always asking him, you know, What? Because sometimes dreams can be pretty strange. Yeah. Um, and there's, I'm, I'm still learning in that area. Okay, so we've already disclosed that you're in your 70s, and you mm-hmm. said you're still learning the Absolutely. whole discernment piece? Yes, and I'm still learning dreams. I mean, mm-hmm. I've had some wacky dreams that, that if I hadn't called a friend who's a little further along in dream interpretation, I would have thought, What? And, you know, you can't take those out of your brain. So what I usually do is write them down, and I pray over them myself. And if I get stuck, I call my friend. Needing someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So another scenario that is not uncommon is a parent saying, my kid is experiencing stuff, and I don't know what to do. Right. What does the parent do? Uh, well... There are people that take children through children's inner healing. I have a friend who does that. And um, if the parents not equipped themselves to take authority over, for instance, a spirit of fear, which is not uncommon for a kid, they get terrified, they see something because they really do see something, Mm. or they experience night terrors or these kinds of things. Those things are real. And um, what I did with my kids is I prayed over their rooms. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> I anointed their rooms with oil. Yeah. I commanded everything to leave and invited the peace and shalom of Jesus Christ to come. And, you know. 
I would imagine you're still praying. Your kids are grown, but I would imagine oh, you're day. still, yeah, yeah. If I were talking with them, what, you may not know this, but what do you think they'd tell me about the kind of difference it makes that their mom is praying for them like this? I think they'd say everything. Mm. Makes a lot of difference. I always, I'm one of these people that now that I'm an adult and an older adult, I I want the very best for my kids, but I want them to stand on my shoulders and go higher in God. Mm. So that's kind of the kinds of things I pray. I know there's all kinds of potentials that I probably didn't uh, need in my life, but I would, I want something different for them. You know, the the things I've been talking about, even the warfare and and uh, seeing things change in a family for the better, those to me are elementary things. But there is so there's so much life in God that's possible for my kids. And my grandchildren. So what, if those are the elementary things, like Paul said, (laughs) you're stuck on the elementary things, and we look at that and go, those are the elementary things? What do you think is the next level? I think it has to do with, and this is my prayer for them, is them fulfilling the reason God created them. Walking in a destiny. And I think it's much bigger than I ever thought. And I don't mean that in a prideful way or in a, I'm a mom that wants something for my child that's weird. I don't mean that at all. I don't mean that in any way other than I want them to have the ability to follow God for themselves anywhere he takes them. I know that you've had seasons in your life where you've kind of been the the spiritual pillar mm-hmm. in your home and in your family. Mm-hmm. And I can imagine there are people who are saying, that's me. I don't have a lot of support in that. Does what I do really make a difference? Does it really make it a difference? It really makes a difference. Mm. It really does. I got a sweet note from one of my kiddos, uh, Mother's Day. And what he said was, Mom, I'm the man I am now because of you. And I, I wept mm. when I read that. I thought, that's, that's pretty awesome for him to, <laughs> to say to his mother. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. So it matters it even matters. if a mom is saying, I'm the only one kind of carrying this torch in right. my family. It matters. Makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. It's almost like as you were talking about wanting your kids to kind of stand on your shoulders mm-hmm. and these things we're talking about being the elementary place mm-hmm. that spiritual warfare and knowing how to engage in it is not the end goal. It's just the thing that you're getting past so yeah. that yes, so that the other things can mm-hmm. happen. Exactly. To me, it's just part of life. It's part of everyday life. And I, I say this laughingly, it's like I'd figured out early on that God really, really, really loves me, <laughs> and the enemy really, really, really hates me. And there's a real distinction there that sometimes you have some resistance that you have to pray through and you have to to pray warfare over, but that resistance has to give way to your life in God. 
What happens if you don't recognize the resistance and you're not actually praying in any of these ways? I think you're going to be miserable. That's Mm. just, I mean, I think you're going to struggle. What would I be struggling with? Well, I went through a season of of experiencing some real depression at one time, and uh, I'd never been depressed in my whole life. And uh, that was a season that, that once I recognized that it was not only maybe something in my brain, like lack of serotonin, or it wasn't only a situational thing that I was upset about, but that there also was a spiritual entity of depression hovering over me. Um, and I did finally realize that. I sought some counsel and uh, took some medication, and I'm fine. Mm. But I can recognize that that's kind of a normal thing that people might put up with right. rather than realize I need to fight this every way I can because that's not the way God wants me to function. And so you're not saying that depression automatically equals demonic no. oppression. It can be anything. Yeah. But for me, the oppression was part of it, and I had mm. to do battle. In the middle of that. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering how many times in my life I've been experiencing things and it hasn't, the discernment that it could be spiritual warfare hasn't kicked in and mm-hmm. I just put up with it. Right. And not engage the battle. And not engage the battle. No wonder Paul says your battle is not against flesh it's and blood. It's not against flesh and blood. It's against all of this wickedness. <laughs> yeah. 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 On the other side of that, how do you know God differently because you've been doing these battles? I know he's absolutely good. And this, I just, I think about, it was about 08, 09. I, you know, you talk about people having an epiphany or a revelation of something. And he started talking to me about that. Like, am I really good? And I'd go, yes. Well, how good? <laughs> I'd go, really good? and But it was a, a point in my life that he was wanting to, me to have that truth deep, 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 deep in my heart. How so, does that change how you pray? Every, I, God's always for blessing. Mm-hmm. He's always good. It sounds like there's this fundamental place of God's goodness that you're praying from, not the enemy's badness. That's right. It's that God is so good, and enemy, he's got your number. (laughs) (laughs) And he's going to show me what to do, and you have to leave me alone. Yeah. Instead of coming from a place where you're under it and cowering against the thing. Right. Yeah. It does say in Psalm 2, he sits in heaven and laughs. At <laughs> he those, being God. <laughs> yes, he being God at uh, those people that are yeah. railing against him. So, Yeah. What are you praying for these days? Um, other than my family, and I do pray a lot for my family, pray a lot for my grandchildren. I've been praying a lot about the United States, mm-hmm. the nation, and that that has been dropped on me. Probably started about 10 years ago, but really, again, about three years ago, two to three years ago, I just, I really believe that God wants to take America uh, to where he wants America to be. And I know not everybody feels that kind of 
pull or tie. It's 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 kind of one of those unique things. But I pray, I pray about that. So you've been getting us prayer assignments mm-hmm. from God. Absolutely. Mm. And I've had dreams. Uh, I had a a bizarre dream before nine eleven happened of an airplane blowing up. Mm. Didn't know what to do with it in two thousand one. But after it happened, I I thought, oh God, I. I probably could have prayed, but I didn't know what to do with that. So, yes, I'm get, I've been getting assignments from God. Hmm. And what are you praying for all saints? Oh, I'm praying for God to not only move us in this transition completely into who he says we are. And I even think coming into the vineyard group of churches is wonderful. But I think there's a uniqueness here. And I'm praying for all of that to emerge. I love the fact that we pray for healing every week. I, I, I want to see more and more and more of that. And we've seen some, which has been wonderful. I love the fact that we take communion and that Brock has us saying the Apostles' Creed is like getting the basics of Jesus and Father and Holy Spirit into us and the encouragement of people, get in the Word, get in the Word, get in the Word. So that's what I'm praying for. Does that answer your question? It's a good answer. And I'm just, I'm wondering, I, I, I can't help but say the word was kind of at the basis of starting all this for yeah. you. And that has continued as well as it's you've been continued. praying through. Well, in fact, in my intercession group that meets on Sunday morning, I say, bring your Bibles. And if God gives you a word, you pray it's directly from the scripture there's power in praying the word just like we do at prayer set there's power in praying the word are you praying any scriptures these days um (laughs) you asked that funny question a lot of them yes but this is just i know this is a weird one but uh things that are happening right now in the united states are all the downturn and all of this and god has been having me pray it's from genesis about how isaac sowed in a famine and reaped a hundredfold and there's something about that that is a today word because i see it all the time it's like one of those verses that keeps just cropping up in me i'm not sure i know exactly what that means but it has something to do with his goodness even in the midst of things not going well around us yeah, that's great. Okay, so I can't help but ask if you would close us with praying that verse okay. for us. Okay. Because I think whether people are in a personal famine or they're experiencing a famine as they look around at the larger culture, the idea that God isn't stuck in that, right? that he has a larger harvest and he has a larger goodness available there is spiritual warfare, even in turning your thoughts from being under that into saying God is not under that. This is from Genesis chapter 26. Uh, there was a famine in the land. And uh, anyway, that it goes on to say, maybe in 25 also, but it goes on to say that there was a famine in the land and there was resistance to... Isaac, he was having to move around, but it said he sowed in the midst of the famine 
and he reaped a hundredfold. And for those of you that are in the midst of you feel like nothing's going well, you feel like what good is it if I if I sow seeds of faith or seeds of whatever seed God gives you, speaking into other people's life, what good's it going to do? And he said, let me take care of the results because I want to make it 100-fold productive. Thank you, Kathleen. <laughs> Thank you. It's been great talking with you. It's been great talking to you. That's all for today's episode of Kingdom Life. Thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more about All Saints Community Church, visit us at allsaintsokc.org or follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter at ASCCOKC. OKC.